Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 284. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're truly excited to have with us the professionally acclaimed illustrator and highly talented creator of Cosmo Natalia, Journey to Planet X, R.W. Nunley. Hey, Barney. Thanks for having me. So congratulations are in order. You only have, as of this recording, two days left, basically, of your Kickstarter. Right. And you've doubled your pledge goal. So yeah, you are it's... now at 4,200. Your goal was 2,000. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been incredible. I'm like super thrilled you know, with the performance of the campaign. Right. And so being being your first being your first Kickstarter as well, what mm -hmm. would you say is part of the what's what's part of the formula to for having such a great success on your first Kickstarter? You know, you have to have uh, you have to spend a lot of time trying to network and reach out to people and get as many people to share your stuff as you can. Right. And, uh, you know, once you have your pre-launch links, you have to pay attention to like search engine optimization stuff and make sure that you propagated your link around the Internet. And I mean, it's just a lot of work, I think. And, uh, you know, I've learned so much. I feel like I could have done much better, you know, and I think uh, uh, timing is kind of everything, too. So. Right. And, and and also, too, it's a it's a pretty interesting storyline as well. Do you want to tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about sure. what, what Cosmo Cosmo Natalia is about? So Cosmo Natalia is a it's it's really a sort of a comedy uh, kind of a, a spoofy comedy with serious undertones that is about a Soviet-era cosmonaut who spends some 30-odd years in space traveling to find the planet X that's been discovered in the solar system. Mm. But in the time that she's gone, you know, uh, the Soviet Union falls apart and, you know, things change. Other countries discover planet X and they send newer, faster spaceships so that, that when she gets there, uh, you know, an American spaceship is a modern day American spacecraft is also there to meet her on the planet. And, uh, you know, of course, there's a space battle and, uh, you know, she winds up on the planet with uh, alien dinosaurs and a tyrannical, you know, kind of a middle management level warlord on the planet. <clears throat> and uh, and this was written, this was written, also co-written by your friend Dean Page, who mm -hmm. you also did some previous projects with. Right, yeah. Dean Page is somebody that I met during his uh, Return of Jake Sunrise Kickstarter, which is uh, the next uh, the next uh, issue of that's going to be launching pretty soon, also. But uh, we met, you know, working on that, and uh, we started talking about this while we were working on his project. And you know, once that campaign finished, we basically jumped right into to this one, and uh, it, you know, it all came together kind of just super fast. Hmm. So I'm I'm kind of curious because you came up with the idea of this of, of this comic and it's a three it's a three issue. It's intended to be at least three parts, yeah. Is 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 this kind of also some level of symbolism to your own professional career? Because you were gone for a while from the art scene. I mean then you kind of came back, and this is also with like Natalia, she things happened while she was gone, and now she's trying to catch up with everything. 
I mean, it's not really an intentional parallel, you know, but uh, I mean, I was really, you know, I'm, I'm borderline obsessed with the, with the war in Ukraine. And, you know, like I'm watching that every single day and I was, right. you know, I was really interested, you know, like, like what if, you know, a Ukrainian born Soviet era person were just transplanted from that time to today, you know, how would they feel about how things are going? So, but yeah, I did, I hadn't really made that connection to, you know, her absence in cryosleep versus me being gone away from the art and comics. How has things changed for you professionally of, as, as almost to the point, the same thing with Natalia mm -hmm. coming out from a fresh perspective, how much did you have to kind of learn about the, the indie comic scene? Um, I, you know, I'd never really been on Kickstarter <laughs> before, you know, doing this. So I had no idea that there was this gigantic, just gigantic, you know, indie comic scene on Kickstarter. I think I read somewhere that Kickstarter is actually like the number two publisher of comic books in the world now because of how many books are sold through there. I don't know if that's true, but I, I remember reading that. And, uh, you know, at the time that I put mine up live, I think there were like something like 375 other live comics projects at the same time. Wow. Every day that I'm on there, I, I find stuff that I'd never seen before. And I'm like, how, how does anybody find anything on here? Right, right. And and so, what else have you seen? What else have you noticed that has changed since uh, since you you left? And was it two thousand eight? Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's about two thousand eight. Um, yeah, the the digital tools are so much better, you know, and the workflows have changed quite a little, quite a bit. Back then, I was still uh, I was still inking, you know, some pages. I inked a number of books for uh, uh, for Devil's Due. And uh, like that job doesn't really exist anymore. You know, there's just a mm. handful of places that are still doing traditional pencils and inks. And it's so much faster to do it digitally on a tablet, you know, that, I mean, the only cool thing about doing it traditionally is that like you still have those original art pieces that you could sell. You don't, you don't get that digitally. I feel like workflow wise, that's probably the biggest change, you know, and this, the speed of everything is so much faster because you don't have right. to, you don't have to mail anybody anything. You know, you can you can email, you can instant message high quality files to people and nobody has to wait. So so you're the one really that kind of came up with the idea. You had mm -hmm. Dean Page to kind of help you write it. Uh, but I you mentioned in a previous interview as well that you really wanted to look for a colorist, someone that kind of did that, um, the colorist for you. How important is it to actually because to actually add color to it and um why is it more complicated than most people think it's not just like coloring pages yeah um so when you're if you're doing a book that you intend to be black and white like you're going to ink it differently than you right. would you know if you took all the color out of my pages uh, some of the some of the images would be downright confusing and hard to understand you know what exactly it is you're looking at um because uh you don't have to spot as many blacks because the color is going to do some of that work for you mm. and so yeah so it's really, I mean, like, like all steps of the process have to kind of work in tandem with each other and you, know, you have to be in, you have to be in sync. And it's really difficult sometimes to find a colorist that, that is in sync with your drawings. Right. And, you know, so I, I felt like incredibly lucky that we, we, you know, we found Kimberly when we did. Yeah. Flatting is better. So, so we have, we have some people that, that, uh, that have a, a rough and understanding of the different aspects of, of comic books. Do you want to explain the difference between flats and, <clears throat> and coloring? Yeah. Um, so the flatting is, is a technical process where 
uh, where color is applied, but in like solid blocks, and uh, mm. you're using like hard non-anti-aliased pixels that are like they're literally like like jaggedy, sharp pixels. And the reason that you do that is so that you can use a selection tool in the, in the graphic design software and, and easily select certain areas and use it as kind of a paint mask to only work in that area. Right. And doing that step can save can save your colorists just an enormous amount of time and let them focus on you know their their shading and their highlights and the the, the really important parts. Uh, masking and selecting is just a really tedious process, and doing doing flats first is a way to kind of eliminate that step for them. How did that project management aspect work for those that might be thinking about wanting to um, work on their own indie comic and the people they're looking for are not necessarily right next door to them? Well, I, I knew that I really wouldn't be able to to draw and run the campaign at the same time. Mm. So I made sure that that my part of, of the art had, was basically done. You know, all of the interior pages were complete by the time we went live. Right. And so so then, you know, then it's just like the rest of the team they're still working, but they don't have to necessarily be directly involved with the campaign. They can focus right. on just doing their job. Right. And they're, you couldn't do them at the same time. You just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so how did that work? Do you, what kind of formats do you use to talk to them? Do you do it through, through video or do you have like a Slack channel or how does that work where you actually all communicate with each other? We actually, it's, it's usually just via text messaging. You know, really? and yeah, just uh, uh, most people I talk to just over the Facebook Messenger app, okay. and uh, and then there's also uh, there's also kind of like a master email chain, so because sometimes you have to send links for big downloads and things like that, and uh, but but almost all almost ninety percent of it was just over the Messenger app. It's it's easier, more convenient. You know, you can you know your phone's in your pocket. You can just answer your email whenever, right? And you can access that same conversation from your computer. So that when you when you got this kickstarter launch that you were kind of planning on losing money on that is that true that is true um i think that <laughs> <laughs> we'd we'd spent uh something like twenty five hundred dollars or so out of pocket and then the, so the goal was only two grand right because you know i didn't it's my first campaign i really didn't know like what kind of response i was going to get and uh you know i'm like gosh i'd really i'd really rather make like five or six grand on this thing but I didn't want to put that as the goal because I was like, yeah, like nobody's ever heard of you. You're not going to make that. It's not going to happen. You know, I kind of shopped around at other books and at what their goals were. And gosh, you see a lot of people putting like $100, $200 goals out there. And then they, they go around telling everybody like, yeah, I'm like 4,000% funded. <laughs> you know, I was like, it's cheating a little bit, you know? But yeah, that's, that's how we arrived at the $2,000 goal. For that right. that would have uh and, and if we'd only made two thousand dollars that would have been cool it would have like it would have hedged my losses on it and uh you know we, we still would have put the book out you, you when you created the actual storyline did you script it out did you kind of build the world how did you actually put it together the the first draft of it so the first draft of it was uh it was done just really quickly you know, it was inspired by a drawing that i was working on and then a quick mm -hmm. conversation with dean and just after that, like the the general like like bullet point happenings of the story were kind of already in my mind, and I started laying it out like like a kind of a three act structure for each book, and I, I very quickly found out while I was doing that that uh, I I really need somebody else to write this. You know, it's just like like writing is more like you think there's only like like a hundred words on a comic book page. How hard could it be, right? And then you sit down and start doing it. It's harder than you think. So I, I roped Dean into it, and uh, and he really helped take you know. This, this is kind of like basic chunky idea that I had and helped refine it into 
you know, a comprehensible narrative. Like throughout the process of it, you know, like 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 he kind of wrote the script and like once once he wrote it into a script format and I started drawing and then as the drawings went, like we you know, I would change stuff in the drawings and then we would go back and see how that would affect the script. And <clears throat> so it, it was this very organic back and forth process. It wasn't a okay. it wasn't a rigid like here was the script, you draw the script thing, which is how I'm used to working, you know, from back in the day. Right. Now, what about the world building aspect of it? Like there's alien races. I mean, you're creating a completely different planet. Uh, how did that process work? Um, yeah, we, that was one of the most difficult things is, you know, like there's there is this alien race on the planet. But um, we kind of we kind of cheated that a little bit instead of building this whole culture on the planet. Like we made them visitors also like they're they're stranded on this planet. Oh, okay. And, you know, and yeah, there he is. It's our, our bad guy, the Kravinian, our uh, our warlord, and uh, you know he's got a kind of a like a menagerie of of captured alien girls held captive yeah. there. <laughs> and so, did you go in deep to actually create like the races and just a, a, and all the alien races and just like their their their, their how they're what's the word their biology? and what planets are they from as well how how deep have you gone backwards to help with that world it's, building aspect of the story we've actually been kind of intentionally vague on that okay. because um you know because this story is only intended to be three issues so it doesn't really need lots of development but we didn't right. want to make a we didn't want to make choices now that we would have to stick to in case we do more okay so yeah we, we tried really hard to make sure dean had a lot of freedom to do and he does have a lot of crazy world building stuff that he, you know, he wants to flush out a whole universe out of this book. Right. So we wanted to make sure that he had like the freedom to be able to do that after these books are done. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about um, also from the business perspective, the um, contracts, say for instance, that we had somebody that, you know, similar situation who would say, mm -hmm. I got this idea, but I, I got to hire a writer for this. So right. who owns the IP of Cosmo and Natalia then? So Dean and I are going to co-own that because we're the, we're the two people who, who had to work on this without getting paid. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so you can't, you can't expect somebody just to work for free and then not have, not have anything. Right. I had to give right. Dean some ownership of this. Right. And, uh, but like once like Cosmo and Natalia is a, it's like a fun, it's an important project for me and I've really loved working on it, but it's not, it's not really my baby, you know, you know, like I have right. like other, other projects that are, that I want to do more than I want to do Cosmo Natalia once Cosmo Natalia is done. But, right. but Dean, like Natalia kind of is turning into his baby. And so, you know, I'm, once these three books are done, I might be more than happy to kind of just let him take it and run. Right. right. Uh, so there, there are no real contractual agreements. This is, you know, it's like kind of a, just a strictly a gentleman's agreement about the properties and, you know, and I always joke with him that, uh, you know, well, you're just going to keep me informed before we sell the movie rights to Netflix. <laughs> you know. So we talked about the world building aspect of it, but what is, is this is a science fiction setting. Uh-huh. How are the, how's the science different? Cause you mentioned she went off the planet X well before everybody else, but then technology is like, so did mm -hmm. you and Dean have to like tweak and kind of invent technology or did you, how, 
how specific did you get from the the science aspect yeah. of the science fiction? I'm kind of a I'm kind of a nerd about like rockets and stuff, and yeah. you know, it's one of my personal interests. So you know, I spent time actually looking at like like what the Vostok engines, you know, from that from the Apollo era, the Russian spacecraft, like what kind of thrust they had, you know, mm. and how far away people speculate that Planet X might actually be, and how long it would take to get there using that technology, you know, and likewise this, you know, today we have much better rockets; they're much faster, more powerful, and you know, yeah. So like this thirty-year trip back then, it's like a nine-month trip now, right? And so, have you been have you been specific though in the comic? Because you're very specific on when it starts. Mm -hmm. uh, but if somebody reads this this comic ten years from now, is are you specific on when the actual time this the the book takes place in present day? Is it a vague present day or is it a it's specific a, year? It's a vague present day or maybe a very okay. near future. And I mean, I think you'll kind of get that from the you know the the pages that were being added in the stretch goal. You'd see a lot more of the American astronauts in that, and so you'll you'll be able to pick up the visual cues. From them to tell it they're not from way off in the future you know they're definitely from right around now mm. you know they have a their spacesuits are like literally covered in like corporate sponsors and you know ridiculous <laughs> things like that so they look like nascar drivers <laughs> right yeah i mean so you so you do have there, there there is a little bit of as you say it's supposed to be fun but there are some serious messages that you said that you put in this yeah yeah it, i mean it can't all be fun in games there's um you know when you do a comic book like this, you're like, you, you're just drawn like pretty girls. Right. And they're, you know, they're half naked or actually naked or whatever. And it's, it's kind of like a, you know, it's a little bit exploitative, you know? So you kind of want to, you kind of want to cue your readers in that you're, you're aware of that, you know, and that, you know, these, these female characters, they are being put into these situations, but they're still like, you know, they, they demand to be treated with respect, you know, and, you know, they're going to make sure that anybody who doesn't understands that. So, uh yeah maybe i'm not quite sure exactly how to how to describe that but in particular with the with the bad guy and his harem of girls that he's got you know mm. it's it's you know it's, it's not human trafficking because they're aliens but but basically it kind of is that um for those that are going to miss this kickstarter mm -hmm. where can they find this comic so <clears throat> you'll be able to find like this comic, uh, you know, my campaign, it ends in, in two days on uh, Ju right. July 15, but that comic is going to continue to be available on the Jake Sunrise campaign okay. uh, as an add on. And uh, so it'll be on there for another month. And after that, like I should have a personal website built and functioning and, uh, and cause we want to be able to have that book and other books for sale off of that. But I, I don't have a personal website up yet, but by the time those two campaigns end, I will. Right, and you'll okay. easily be able to find that through uh, through my social media. How much has the story changed from your initial idea? Because you said you already kind of had some arcs planned mm -hmm. out. Um, other than Dean bringing in his writing expertise, has there been very some very specific um, character arcs or story arcs that you're like, wow, that's a great idea. Like, yeah, throw that in. Yeah. Um, the the first issue is largely unchanged from the original concept, but like once okay. the once the second issue starts, um, you know, it was like, you know, we already kind of started working, you know, on that book when when Dean and I really kind of formalized our, our workflow together. So that was pretty much already set in stone. But the next two books, he was able to kind of just take them and just wildly deviate, you know, from mm. 
from the original and he's, he's added like whole new races and characters into it you know things have, things have changed a lot right. and uh, i think it's you know it's really important for you know, in that kind of partnership that you, you have to have flexibility and you have to let like your, your creative partner, you have to let them outside to play too. And, and don't be a control freak, which I have a tendency to do. The comic, it seems as though it's like a modern interpretation of some of the old golden age comics of like planet comics and some of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, years ago, uh, I worked at an art supply store and this guy came in and this, uh, Roger Hill was his name and he wrote books about old golden age comic, like, like guys, like, uh, uh, like, like Wallace Wood from, he did a bunch of EC comics, weird science comics, things like that. And, uh, I had some Photoshop skills back then and, and he asked me to restore some of this old art for him because he was writing a book. And, uh, so yeah, I took these old yellow crumpled up drawings and, you know, like clean them up in Photoshop form. And uh, and that's that's gave me like a, a really tremendous introduction to some of this golden age comic stuff. And right. yes, yeah, so I've been into that for for a long time. What were some of your other inspirations as you came up with a story arc, other than some golden age comics? Uh, what were some of the other inspirations for the I mean, story? Yeah, you know, there's things like uh, like I'm a big fan of the movies, uh, like the the spoof movies, like Airplane or The Naked yeah. Gun, and I really love that kind of that kind of humor and comedy. So there's a uh, you know the the book's just full of like sight gags and Easter eggs about that, <laughs> you know, and just everything that I could think of that was that was fun. I really wanted this comic to be a lot of fun, and mm. so, you know, there's a lot of uh that's that's Calvin and Hobbes, Spaceman Spiff kind of yes. like narrative voice in that you, that emerges throughout the book, and uh, yeah, I just love all that stuff, and I feel like you know there's a lot of people that do, and when they read it, they're gonna they're gonna find all of these little little hidden gems. So that was one of the things that, you know, connecting with Dean about. So Dean kind of has the same humor as you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does. And he has like, he has a crazy memory for all these wonderful things that I'd completely forgotten about. He's was always sending me, you know, like pictures of old toys. Like, Hey, you remember these? And I'm like, Oh my God, Silverhawks. I hadn't thought about that in years. (laughs) (laughs) And so, as you said, so how this this came out? This is going to be this uh, this Kickstarter. You're going to have everything is going to be available according to your Kickstarter. um, July July twentieth, the digital stuff Mm -hmm. is going to be available in July, and for the physical copies, the physical stuff is going to be available August. Yeah, the uh, with the additional six pages from the stretch goal, we we might barely miss that. Like we, you know, our our July digital PDF might be the first week of August digital PDF, okay. uh, just because we are adding pages and uh, the, the we brought back the original colorist for the new pages, but she's committed to other jobs right now, so she's trying to squeeze okay. them in, and uh, right. she's doing a great job about being on top of it and getting them done quickly, but right. it it might delay us just a little bit, but only because we're we're doing extra. I was like some of the things like the, the the patches and the coins. I'm not actually I'm not personally overseeing the manufacture of those items, so mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that there was there was plenty of time. I didn't want to overpromise on delivery on that stuff. Right, and that was my next question. Like with like the the, the mini bust and 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 some and like the 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 mission patches and the coins. Do you? How much of this were things that? you felt your readers wanted or how many of these are things like you actually wanted and you're just going to offer them to everybody else because you love that idea. Well, I, I wanted the challenge coin for, for okay. myself. Yeah. And, uh, 
And I thought, I just think they're really neat things to have. And, uh, you know, I thought if I could make like a mission challenge coin, like I'll, I'll bet people would like those. I bet people would buy a couple and we put, they're actually quite expensive to make. So, you know, they're, mm. they're actually being sold on the the campaign at cost. It's not a very good fundraising device at all, but, <laughs> but it is kind of helping me subsidize the one that I want for myself. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and so what were some of the, what were some of the uh, the surprises of the things that you put on your tiers that seem to have really taken off? Um, the, you know, the sketches have proved really popular. I got a lot of good feedback from people saying like how much they liked the fact that they could have like this kind of anything sketch done, you know, they could pick their characters or whatever. And, uh, you know, I got a few emails from backers that stated in particular, I was like, this is really cool that you're doing this because most people don't, most people won't give us that, you know, you'll get a sketch, but you don't get to pick sometimes or the sketches are already done da 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 but you know i'm still new so like i'm i still have like to, some reputation building to do amongst like the, those backers what's your timeline that you see happening with issues two and issues three then the the timeline of those is we're not going to jump straight into issue number two because i don't want to uh, you know i'm not trying to do back-to-back -back campaigns or anything i feel like people will get burned out on it you know, I have I have other projects, you know, with other creators that I'm working on. I'm going to be doing a book called Orchid with David Sandoval, and mm -hmm. I'll be working on that uh, towards over the end of the year. So, you know, I'll probably start working on n number two in probably either late in the fall or early 2024. Okay. And uh, but in the meantime, like, uh, yeah, I'll be helping Dean out with this Jake Sunrise book. You know, and I have a like a number of other just like art commission jobs I got to get through. Plus, I got I have all these sketches to do now from this campaign, so <laughs> it's going to keep me busy for a while. And so, if people want to learn more about you, Randy, uh, where's the best place they could go to? Middle aged, I guess. So Facebook is kind of where you're going to find me. Uh, I I do have a presence on Instagram, but you know, uh, yeah, if you you can find me on Facebook and direct message me just about any time. I'm almost almost always on there. There will there be an option to kind of pre order it post Kickstarter. Uh, that was the only thing that we could think of immediately was to get it onto the other campaign. And we're, okay. we're still working out how, uh, like, like how exactly we're going to make it available. I don't know if we're going to make it in, put it on Amazon, hmm. you know, or it will definitely be on a dedicated website, you know, of our own soon, but I, I don't have any details to share with anybody on that just yet. Right. Okay. Perfect. Well, Randy, this has been great. I've been looking forward to talking to you. I'm so happy we're able to sit down and just talk about the, the history yeah, of the was, book and how it came about. I was, uh, yeah, I was afraid I'd missed you. I'm glad I didn't. Um, is there like any, is there any, oh, hang on. Let me, let me timestamp this, Randy. This is live. So what I'll do is like after the fact, mm -hmm. this is going to be like super smooth after there. People will be thinking, wow, Bernie's asking them quite one question after the other. So <laughs> it's, the, it's the power of editing. See, Randy, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So in order for this to to also to kind of be an evergreen never an evergreen interview